Hawker gave it five minutes, finished his beer, paid the bill. The bartender was a solicitous little man with an earring and a gold tooth. He felt called upon to offer something in return for Hawker's Belizean dollar tip. Your lady very boss, man. Very boss. She get mad at you, sir. She walk out. He's not my lady, man. Not nosy, sir, not nosy. Just trying to help. You need the woman, sir. I be the one to see. I get you fine, clean woman, sir. Very young, very cheap. What do you say, sir? I say, why is it that people are trying to supply me with women lately? Do I look that hard up? Don't understand, sir. Talk plain to old Sam. I get you fine, clean young womans if you want, sir. Hawker patted the counter. Not right now, thanks, Sam. Maybe another time. On the bar's big screen television, Flipper was squeaking and splashing, trying to tell Chip to follow. The satellite dish perception was bad, and it appeared to be snowing on the dolphin, which, in TV land, was king of the sea. No one in the bar was watching anyway. At a table across the room, three Englishmen sat over gin and tonics, discussing their respective banana crops. In the corner, sitting alone, was a huge bearish black man with a thick black beard and mustache. He was reading a magazine. Near a window that overlooked the fluorescent green of the Caribbean Sea, a group of Americans talked of the dangers and demands of their scuba-diving holiday on Ambergris Cay. They talked loudly so that everyone in the bar could hear. That damn barracuda was six feet long, no shit, a fucking six-footer, and he came right up to us. Frankie started to panic, but I grabbed his arm and settled him down, gave him the take-it-easy signal. Cudas won't bother you unless you're wearing something shiny, but Frankie really lost his cool when he saw it. Of course, the only place where he's logged any real diving time is Lake Erie. I try to make it down to Florida at least a couple times a year, so I know how Cudas act. You have to respect them, but hell, there's no real reason to be afraid of them. Fucking six-footer, no shit. There were three women at the table and five men. The women, Hawker noted, seemed to be bored by the ongoing macho routine of the men. One of the women was rather pretty, in a stocky, blue-eyed Midwestern way, and she smiled at Hawker. Hawker smiled in return and hurried out. It was a strange mixture of people in a strange country. Belize had the feel of a mudlot carnival, cheap, gaudy, raw. The country used to be known as British Honduras, a colony of the crown for nearly 120 years. But then, in 1981, the United Kingdom granted the country its independence. The local government changed the country's name to Belize while, at the same time, begging the British not to withdraw their troops. The people of Belize knew, as did everyone else, that the Guatemalan army would march in the day after Her Majesty's forces sailed out. The British agreed to stay. As James Hawker trotted down the steps, through the lobby of the hotel and outside, he wondered why the British cared. From what he had seen, the people of Belize were lazy, dirty, and undependable. Belize City itself was nothing more than a massive slum built around four or five international banks. In the open markets of the city, flies swarmed around squalling black babies while their parents, apparently unconcerned, laughed and danced to American hits on their ghetto blasters. On almost every corner of every block, Rastafarians and their greasy dreadlocks hustled drugs. You want buy good ganja, mum? Five ounces or five tons, mum, whatever you want. You do the white train, mum. I got good snort, good cocaine. You sit down right, nice and easy. The most memorable thing about Belize City was its smell.
The city smelled of rotting fruit, bad fish, and the raw sewage that flowed out of Hollover Creek, the river that ran past the crowded stilt shacks in the center of town.